0: Hi, welcome to the On Becoming Educated podcast where I, Pa Vu, will share my experience as a first-generation Ph.D. student. Hi, my name is Pa Vu, and I'm a first-generation college student. I've applied to grad school three times, the first time during my senior year of college, the second time four years ago when I had a third-life crisis, and the third time just this past fall. The grad school process can be a very lonely process and experience for first-generation college students, so I decided to create the On Becoming Educated podcast to share a bit of my journey, both the inside and outside journey. I've also been overthinking my introduction for this podcast. I can't decide if I should start with the old, I was born in, fill in the blank, or if I should just dive deep into a topic, then weave in information about me. So I thought I'd do a little bit of both. When I was a little girl, I caught bits and pieces of conversations between my mom and aunties that made no sense. They talked about when the world exploded, or... As a kid, I was like, how could the world have exploded? We're still here, aren't we? I now know they were describing the fall of Saigon, when the Americans pulled out of Vietnam and Laos, leaving the majority of their Hmong allies to flee to the mountains, to neighboring Thailand, and to their deaths. That's a story that deserves its own episode, maybe its own few episodes. My story started in 1985 in Thailand, 10 years after the Vietnam War ended, in a tiny little village among the clouds where my parents were farmers. Five years after I was born, my parents made the decision to come to the U.S. This included a long stay in the Chin refugee camp, then another in the Panat Nikong refugee transition camp. Neither of these places exist today. They're once-occupied surface retaken by grass, brushes, and trees, but they exist in the memories of a generation of people, including myself. They've shaped my identity as an American and as an educator, and they've kept me from forgetting my roots. A couple of years ago, a student at Chico State, where I work, asked to interview me for a class project. He specifically wanted to ask me about my refugee experience. When you were living in the refugee camp, he started, were you scared? I paused, remembering sewage-filled gutters, freezing water, and a smoky little space, dirt floor with an open fire shared by several families. I don't know, I said. I think I was too young to be scared. But I do remember a mosquito net in Ching Khan refugee camp, lifting the folds to find the pinkness of baby mice beneath, all curled up into one another for warmth. I remember my aunt running off to get married and us continuing the journey to the U.S. without her, then dad reflecting sadly on her decision decades later. I remember smelling rice cake desserts in the market in Panat. That's what we called the Panat-Nikom refugee transition camp. Just Panat. They smelled so sweet I could almost taste them, but I never actually got to taste them. We had nothing after all, not a scent to our name. I remember being pulled in a piece of cloth in a cleared fairground close by our shared living space, the other kids' laughter surrounding me in a cloak of childhood warmth. I remember my brother's leg with a hole in it after a deep surgery. I would watch mom wash him out by the urns and worry about water getting in. I still get tears in my eyes thinking about that moment. No, I was never scared. But even at such a young age, I was worried. Very worried. I have this memory of a swarm of people heading to the airport from Panat. Moms with newborns strapped to their front while holding on to the hands of screaming toddlers and carrying satchels heavy enough for two people. Dads with red and green striped tarp bags filled with treasures that meant nothing to others but everything to the carrier himself. I wore a white t-shirt and blue jeans Nothing fancy, probably all made in China or Mexico or Bangladesh. American clothes distributed by the agencies to help us blend in when we got to the U.S. The flight was a blur, but I remember wondering how the heck we were going to get on an airplane. It was so high up and we were so far down. I remember the fried rice at the airport smelling and tasting odd, too odd to eat because my taste buds and my tummy were used to far simpler food. All the adults in Panat took survival English classes. For the majority of them, these classes were the only classes they have ever taken and will ever take. My dad, however, continued to study English when we arrived in the U.S. He used the books he brought from Panat to translate English words to Thai and finally to Hmong. As I began school, he helped me as much as he could translating nouns and pronouns, helping me identify pennies and dimes and nickels, until I outgrew him, until I helped him. I tried to relay all of this and more to the student. I tried to help him understand, but I'm not sure that I did, and I'm not sure that he did. I could only hope that in some small way, I shed some light on a shadowy topic. My family and I settled in the small farming community of Willows, California, When I was growing up there, most days were serene and lazy. We spent them catching dragonflies and flying handmade kites in the empty field across the street. Interstate 5 ran along the western edge of town, but it was far enough away that we didn't hear the traffic. In the late 80s to early 2000s, the Hmong population skyrocketed in that little town. I don't know if the longtime residents expected their town to change so drastically, but somebody thought the town could handle it. Social services were available to help us transition to the new world. ESL classes sprouted up for both adults and children. And the Pine Ridge Apartments, where I lived for the next 10 years, became a little Hmong village. We even raised a rooster named Mr. Lucky until management realized what was happening and put a stop to it. Before Walmart came to town, Willows had two main places to shop. Santa Food Market and what at one point used to be a food for less... And on any given day, you were sure to run into someone from school. If I went shopping with mom, sometimes she'll let me choose a bag of chips, or she'll give me a couple of pennies for the gumball machine. But going meant that I risked running into someone I knew. After all, Willows had less than 10,000 people, so it happened a lot. The trick was to walk in, get the benefit of grabbing the yummies, then wander off when mom headed toward the cash register. I also found that if I moved around a lot, I decreased the chances of running into anyone. Sometimes, though, no matter what I did, I ended up at the cash register, in line, in front of the judging eyes of strangers. Mom would pull out her bundle of colorful food stamp coupons and milk vouchers for all the world to see, and I would shrink smaller and smaller into myself until I was nothing but a mushy puddle of shame. Then we'd shuffle out of the store to our car, and I'd swear to God that I'd never do that again, never feel that low again. I'd rather starve. When I was in 10th grade, Pine Ridge Apartments changed ownership for what seemed like the hundredth time, and the new owners wanted to renovate. They were jacking up the rent, and many of the Hmong families couldn't afford to pay, so there was a noticeable migration out of Willows. Many families moved to Oregon, Minnesota, North Carolina, and Georgia, places where they could find jobs and be with extended family. My parents decided to go to Chico, a college town about an hour away. Here's what I knew about Chico. There was a university, a lot of cars, and a Mervyn's where dad once spent all his savings on a few pairs of jeans for me and my sister. The Chico Housing Authority was accepting applications for Section 8. Not a spy agency, but a federal housing assistance program that helps pay part of the rent for low-income households. And boy, did we need it. On the first night in Chico, we heated cold meat and cheese in the microwave and watched in awe as they melded into a gooey blob. Then we ate the mess and licked our fingers and wondered what else we could heat up. This was our very first microwave. Because of all of this and more, I often reflect back with surprise that in 2003, I found myself at Chico State and that I somehow graduated with a degree in English and linguistics five years later. Sometimes I still wonder how it all happened. How a form didn't get lost or a task didn't get forgotten. How I was able to cash that first financial aid check and buy those books. How I didn't get frustrated and quit because my parents didn't know how to help me. Because neither of them went to college because neither of them needed to go to college in that village in the clouds where I was born. This is a compilation of different parts of several blog posts that I wrote in the last four years. I feel like when it comes to first-generation college students, sometimes all we hear are statistics. How many are enrolling in college? What types of colleges are they enrolling in? How many are low income? What is the graduation rate? These numbers are important, but so are the stories behind them. And that's why I created the On Becoming Educated podcast. I want to tell stories. I want to explore the reasons behind why we do the things we do as first-generation college students. I want to take you on a deep and journey of grad school and explore what it really means to be educated. What you heard today is kind of a taste of how this podcast will flow and sound. Each episode will be personal to my experience as a first-generation college student. Occasionally, I'll bring in other voices to share stories and to dive a little deeper into topics that pertain to education and to the search for knowledge. Thank you for listening. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcast or the podcast listening platform of your choice to be notified when new episodes are up. If you would like to support this podcast, a rating and review would go a long way podcasts with ratings and reviews are more likely to be found by listeners so i would appreciate it so much if you can take a few minutes to rate and review this podcast lastly you can access transcripts and show notes and submit listener questions at www.onbecomingeducated.com